Welcome to this Sunday morning's message podcast from Kingdom Faith. It's great to uh, to have friends and guests here to come and speak. And uh, Jeff, let's, uh, we've only known for about, what, 18 months or so. But you know when you meet somebody and there's just something that, that clicks and the same heart and spirit and you know there's going to be an ongoing relationship. And Jeff... Uh, is one of those uh, people that when Jay and I met him, it was like, wow, uh, we want to get to know him more. And there's and his heart was the same, you know, in terms of towards us and towards who we are as Kingdom Faith. Jeff uh, has his own kind of financial services company called Genistar and uh, and is also part of the Hillsong board uh, in the UK. Is that Europe or, or just the UK? UK. Uh, but also one of the things that Jeff does... Uh, also from a ministry point of view, is really work with churches to help develop kind of biblical economics and uh, a real kind of stewardship and generosity culture in the life of the church to really understand finances from a biblical point of view. And one of the things uh, as a leadership, especially toward, you know, last year, we felt that we needed to have more kind of teaching on the whole kind of financial side of things for our personal lives. Uh, and also, you know, for us as a, as a church and really develop that as, as a stronger culture. But also bearing in mind, uh, most of the world out there lives on debt. And the more and more people that we see coming into the life of the church, people giving their lives to, to Jesus, uh, the more we're going to, we need to be more equipped to actually help people in their personal lives as part of the discipleship that is going on. And, and so every, everybody's, most of you are aware, the whole discipleship pathway that we have, know God, live in freedom, discover your purpose and make a difference. And this whole financial area, as well as equipping us, uh, we're going to be developing some other things throughout the year that Jeff's going to be helping us with uh, so that people can live in financial freedom. And I'm sure he's going to talk about this in a more effective way than I, I can. But one of the resources that, that uh, he and some others, some friends of his developed is some small group stuff really geared to help develop freedom in financial uh, the, the financial freedom in our lives. And, and that's going to kind of sit as part of our discipleship culture for us, but also for those that are coming in and giving their lives to the Lord as well. So I want us to stand and uh, I want us to give Jeff a really huge welcome as he comes to speak to us this morning. Awesome. Great. You may be seated. It's so good to be here with you. And uh, thank you, Pastor Clive and Jane and... Um, I just just met your dad here this 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 morning, Colin. You're uh, just uh, anyhow a, a legend. I've heard about him for years and years, and I went up and gave him a big hug and and just um, you know just so good to see what God is doing. And I love traveling around. I don't get to travel around quite as much uh, this year. For the last three years, literally, I've been on the road 42 weekends a year, speaking at different churches. And um, and so this year, uh, I, actually, you are the only church that I've actually booked this year other than Hillsong. And so um, we've just had so many exciting things happening in our lives. And this morning, I just want you all to kind of, uh, we all do me a favor. Everybody lift your right hand and make, make a fist, okay? And I want you to go like this. Thank you. You just flushed your mind, okay? Okay. <laughs> um, you know, whenever we talk about money and finance, and I, I have lived here now in the UK for 15 years, so I haven't lost my accent, uh, but I do have a, a British passport, okay? And, um, but I, I found when I first moved here, even more so than in the States, boy, people start getting uptight when you start talking about money, okay? And I remember when I first moved here and some people said, you know, it's just not proper, I mean, it's just not proper to talk about money. And, it's, uh, and, and as I began to, to kind of meet people, um, I found that they, they not only didn't want to talk about it, but they didn't want to talk about money in front of their children. And uh, guess what? If you don't teach your children, the world is going to teach your children about money or sex or whatever else it is. And so, uh, so my ministry has, has been involved in the financial, uh, in the financial area. And I think what I'm going to do, if it's okay with you, uh, I'll just kind of get this, all this stuff here out of the way. This is my, my uh, 30 second infomercial. You know, I have literally been studying biblical finance and biblical economics now for over 30 years. Um, and it just, it intrigued me, as you'll understand as you, as you hear my testimony, about why is it that there's more poverty in the church 
than there is in the world. And that just, man, that just bugged me because people were in church. They said, boy, we're a child of the king and we're broke. Um, and that just bothered me. And as, as I listened to people like, like Clive and, and other ministries, did, did you know probably the one thing it's going to take other than your hard work and effort to, to really be able to, to reach out to the 25, uh, within a 25 mile radius, more than likely it's probably going to take money. It's probably going to take finance. Yeah. And so it's just part of it. It's not, it's not that that's the most important thing, but it certainly is part of it. But anyhow, a couple of resources that might help you. Uh, I actually just uh, wrote a book uh, last year. It was called Your Journey to Financial Freedom. It's amazing. In school, we go through 14,000 hours of education. That's not even including university. And they teach us great life skills like algebra and trigonometry or how to dissect a frog. That's a great life skill. And they don't teach us anything about money. So this is one of those simple uh, kind of the 10 basics about money and really how the people can become financially free. Uh, another book that I wrote, uh, this is actually uh, was a couple of years ago. Is it, it's, it's a study on biblical finance, more really about what you're going to hear about uh, today called True Riches, Prosperity with Purpose. It's not, uh, it's not one of these, uh, how many of you have ever heard of the, the name it and claim it, or I, I like to call it blab it and grab it? Um, guys, it is not about that. But by the same token, uh, people say to me, Jeff, are, are you, a, you know, do you believe in the prosperity gospel? Well, I sure don't believe in the poverty gospel, okay? But, but I also don't believe that it's one of these things that you just name it and claim it. I think, though, that God wants to prosper us, all of us, but in every single area of our life. So this might help you if you want to really study that. And then we've got about 30 hours on a USB of training and teaching on biblical finance. Also a good friend of mine. How many of you have ever heard of Rabbi Daniel Lappin? Anybody ever heard of Rabbi, Rabbi Lappin? Rabbi Lappin is a good friend of mine, been a mentor of mine for many, many years. Uh, he's got some, some, uh, some teaching on here. And um, Clive, did I ever give you guys one of these? I don't think that I did. Did I, did I give you one? Yeah, well, I, I, okay, maybe I did. Um, and then also, uh, I've, I brought along some of his books called Thou Shall Prosper, The Ten Commandments for Making Money. Now, I know that you all, uh, I, I know that your ministry loves Israel. And here's what Rabbi Lappin's ministry is about. Here's a question I have for you. Why is it that Jewish people prosper disproportionately to other groups of people? There's a reason for it. Okay, and uh, and I can say that for a couple reasons. Number one is that I am Jewish. I was born and raised in a Jewish family. But secondly, it is a true fact. And it's not because that they're Jewish. Okay, it's not because the men have been circumcised. That's not why they prosper. Okay, it's because of certain principles that they actually have in their life. And those are on there. And then I'm sure that uh, you all have got this building a winning business is on your seat. And I'll be back. I'm sure you'll be talking a little bit more about that. Uh, do we have these on the seat or not? Oh, this was just given to me, I guess, just to show. Okay, so there'll be, I'm sure that uh, they'll, be, they'll be talking about that as I... Um, can I get... Uh, can I put these back down here, if I may? And if you don't have any of those, Clive and Jane, let me know, and I'll just bless you with them, okay? So, well, it is, it is good to be here. Uh, with you. And um, I want to first start with a little bit of my testimony because I think it's good just so that you kind of know my heart and know a little bit of my background. Um, I was born and raised in Chicago. I know from my accent, you, you thought I was from North London, didn't you? <laughs> but uh, I was originally born and raised in Chicago. Both sets of my grandparents were from Russia. They were Russian immigrants uh, into the United States in the early 1900s. Both very, very strict, strict Orthodox. I mean, I remember, you know, being at my grandparents' house and, you know, there was eight sets of dishes and they kept kosher and we had to go to shul on, on uh, you know, uh, on, on Shabbat on Saturday. And, um, I mean, it was, it was very, very strict. My father and mother were not Orthodox, but they certainly raised us in a Jewish family. Uh, we kept kosher sometimes and uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't super strict. But, um, you know, they enrolled us in Hebrew school and we were from the outside. We were this wonderful, happy family. And uh, my, my sister is two years older. My brother is six years older. 
And when I was five years old, my father uh, lost his business, basically went, went bankrupt, lost everything. We moved, uh, we lost our home, our car, furniture, everything. We moved into a little two-bed flat in the city of Chicago, uh, in from the suburbs. And my father went through a couple of months of very, very deep uh, depression. It kind of went into to, to, to mental illness. And he committed suicide when I was five years old. My mother uh, had a nervous breakdown. She became an alcoholic and a drug addict, and within two years, uh, she had died. And so all three of us kids were sent to orphanages and foster homes. We were split up. And so from the age of seven until I was 12 and a half, I was in and out of six different homes and orphanages. And then at 12 and a half, um, I got involved in a gang and got into some trouble uh, six months before my bar mitzvah. So I was still involved in Hebrew school, and but, you know, I... I, I, I Honestly, I really didn't believe that there was a God. I, I thought, well, if there's a God, you know, he sure has been picking on me. And, um, you know, but I still went to, to Hebrew school and, uh, you know, to, to, to set, you know, on Shabbat, went to, went to, to you know, to, to what you would call Sunday school. But really in my heart as a, as a, young, as a young boy, I mean, I just, I really didn't believe in God um, and, and thought, well, if there is a God, I mean, he must have something in, 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 in for me because, boy, I just have had such a horrible life. And at 12 and a half, um, they were getting ready to move me to a, to a Jewish boy's home. And I just said, enough is enough. I'm tired of getting kicked around. And I tried to commit suicide uh, slash both of my wrists and they uh, my foster father found me uh, they rushed me to the hospital stitched me up 57 stitches and entered me into um, into a place called Chicago State Mental Hospital and put me on a ward with a criminally insane not a great place for a 12 and a half year old kid and I stayed there for a couple of months, and uh, a few months before my 13th birthday, I ran away and lived on the streets of Chicago until I was 15. Uh, got into drugs. I met up with a bunch of hippies when I was uh, 13. These guys were drug dealers. They took me in, and, um, and they said, you know, you can live with us, but, you know, you're going to have to deliver and sell drugs on the streets of Chicago. And so, uh, so my pastor at Hillsong, Pastor Gary, asked me, what was your first job? And I said it was uh, pharmaceutic sales, you know. So. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, these guys left Chicago when I was 14 to go start a hippie commune in southern Illinois. So Chicago's at the very top. It's a little bit like a triangle. At the very bottom is southern Illinois. There was a university town called Carbondale, and they moved to Carbondale and started a hippie commune and asked me to come along. I was 14 years old at that time. And I said, no, thanks. I'll stay in Chicago, but uh, can I take your drug business over? I was quite entrepreneurial even at 14. And so they left, and I kind of took over the, 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 the drug business at 14 years old. I'm still kind of living, you know, amongst a bunch of different hippies and living on the streets and sleeping in, on the beach and stuff in the, in the summer. And then at 15 years old, I just, it was like my life sort of flashed before me. And I, I remember lying in bed late one night, and I just, I said, God, if, if you're real, if you're really the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that I heard about as a kid, boy, would you help me get my life straightened up. And uh, two weeks later, I hitchhiked to see my friends down on the hippie commune. And uh, I got there and, and on, their, on their mailbox, it was out in the, out in the country, it was one of these old mailboxes. They, they lived out, it was a, uh, down this long, mile-long rutted road, mud, a mud road out in the middle of a cornfield, a little four-room farmhouse. On, the, on the, uh, the, the, the post box on the outside, it said Cosmic Cowboys. That was the name of their commune. And as I walked up that lane... Um, and I knocked on the door. My four friends were sitting there in a circle in, in, the, in the reception room. They all got up, came to the door, greeted me. And these guys were all in their late teens, early 20s. And, and they said, Jeff, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I just thought I'd come down and visit you and see how you're doing. And they said, well, come on in. And, and after a few minutes of exchanging greetings, they said, well, why don't you join us? And so I sat down and, and uh, they were sitting on the floor reading some books, eating some popcorn. And I said, great, what are you doing? And they said, uh, we're having a Bible study. And I said, um, what have you guys been smoking this time, you know? And all four of these young men, they were all in their late teens, early 20s. They were all from Jewish families. And they began to share with me about Yeshua and about Jesus. And I said, guys, listen, I, I would never become a Christian. If I'd be anything, I'd be Jewish. 
And they said, well, Jeff, we're Jewish, but we've accepted Jesus as our Messiah. I said, well, guys, I, I, I could never do that. I mean, it just, you know, I, I, I could never. And they, and, and they said, well, Jeff, you know, Jesus is Jewish. I said, I don't think he is. I thought he was Catholic, isn't he? <laughs> and so they get the Bible out and start showing me that Jesus is Jewish. And, and I said, well, that's great. You know, great. He was part of, you know, the lineage of King David and all that. But it, it's not for me. And so, uh, so I stayed for a week and they just kept loving me and telling me how good God was and that God loved me. And it didn't matter what I did, um, that God loved me and that he wanted to be my dad. And I said, hey guys, that's great, but you know, it's not for me. And one of the guys challenged me, Michael, he said, why don't you go to church with us? And I said, Michael, I, just, I have no interest. He said, I know why you won't go, because you're a chicken. <laughs> and I said, Michael, you know better than that. I said, I'm a tough kid. I grew up on the streets, you know. And he said, well, then prove it. Go to church. So I said, okay, I'll go once. So on a Sunday, we're driving to church in his little Volkswagen Beetle. He said, have you ever been to church before? I said, no. I said, just Jewish synagogue. He said, well, this is a little different kind of a church. This is a, is a Pentecostal church. And I said, well, I don't care how much it costs. I don't have any money with me. <laughs> And he said, well, you know, you'll, you'll understand. I sat all the way in the back. And of course, they began to praise and worship. And, and I mean, this, this was, a, was a real Pentecostal church. You all have to forgive me. But I mean, here, this, this was kind of like a Baptist church compared to that, okay? I mean, these people running up and down the aisles, people rolling on the floor, you know, speaking in tongues. They're casting out demons, you know. And I'm in the back. I got my mouth wide open. And Michael, one of the hippie guys, said, what do you think? I said, dude, I said, this is better than a, than, than a rock and roll concert, you know. I never, I never seen anything like this in my life. And at the end of the service, they said, who would like to receive the Lord in your life? And, and the thing that I heard was, is when you accept Jesus in your heart, his father becomes your father. And uh, the tears began to course down my cheek. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have a real daddy? And, um, and, and that night, I, w- I was 15 years old. That was in 1971, before many of you were born. Um, and I said, God, I don't understand why my life is so messed up. I don't understand why no one loves me. But if you'll have me, I ask you in my heart tonight. And just like that, I mean, just like that, I was delivered from drugs. And my life changed from that day forward. Can you give the Lord a, a big hand? Amen. <clears throat> Can we put the, uh, the first slide up? Because I always like to put this up. This is not my daughter, okay? This, this is me when I, when I actually got saved. Uh, I went back to high school. Um, it, was a, it was in a rural area. I was the only kid with long hair uh, the only boy with long hair. Every other boy had either a burr head or a crew cut. And I knew I was in trouble the first day when I walked up in the parking lot and there was pickup trucks with gun racks in the back. Okay, I mean, this is like, you all have heard the term rednecks. I mean, this was like rednecks. Um, and so I went to this high school and the first day I walk in and this is what I look like. I met uh, the, the only other hippie in the high school was a girl by the name of Margot. We were the same age. We were 15. Uh, we started getting to know each other, and I invited her to church. She got saved when she was 16. Margot and I dated from 16 to 19, got married at 19 years old while we were in university. And just a couple of months ago, we just celebrated our 42nd wedding anniversary. <clears throat> Which just goes to show you that God can take a very unstable background. In fact, the scripture says God delights to take the things of the world that are nothing to confound the wise. And so I went back to high school. I went on to university uh, for a couple of years, um, did, did not complete university, uh, got into the financial business. My foster father had become a financial advisor. He recruited me when I was 19 and, you know, it's interesting that I don't know how many of you, but in school, maths 
were my worst subject. They really were. I mean, it was, it was like being dyslexic. I just, I didn't understand. And still to this day, don't understand why X plus Y equals Z. Okay. It just makes no sense to me. Um, trigonometry, algebra, I mean, it just, it just none of it made any sense. But for some reason, when I got into finance and all of a sudden when a dollar sign went in front of the numbers, it took on like a whole new meaning. And all of a sudden I became pretty good at maths. Um, and I did well in, in sales. I got recruited into management and then ended up with a, with a company in the States uh, that really was more about financial education and built a, a huge sales force in the States. Um, we had over 5,000 salespeople that worked for us in the Midwest. And literally at 24 years old, I remember the day I was standing in church. This is before I, I, I got into the financial education. And I, I, wasn't, I, I was singing the words on the screen, but my mind was on my visa, my MasterCard, my mortgage, and my car payment. I don't know if any of you can relate to that. And I, I, my mouth was moving, but my mind was elsewhere. And I said, God, I, I, I'm in the financial business, but my finances are a mess. Boy, if, if you could ever help me to get my, my life straightened out financially, I would dedicate my life to teaching this stuff to people. Two weeks later, I met a guy that I went to a seminar, much like the one that we're going to do in a couple of weeks, I think is what, the 14th of March. And I went to that seminar. And guys, you, you want to invite all of your unsaved friends to that. Okay, I mean, this is going to be a seminar really for the whole community. That seminar changed my life. And at 24 years old, my net worth was minus, minus 10,000. Six and a half years later, I'm not telling you this to brag to you, but my net worth at 31 years old was I'd become a millionaire. And, and as I got into business and I really began to understand that where my gifting was, you know, my pastor back in the days in the 1970s, he wanted all the young men in church to become pastors. And I said, pastor, I don't want to be a pastor. I said, I'm sorry, that is not my calling. I said, if I was you, I would lay hands on people without prayer. Okay. I mean, I just, I don't, I said, pastor, I don't, I don't know how you put up with it. It just, it's not my calling, but I said, I love business. And I remember as a teenager, because we, we came from a, from a poor Pentecostal church that had a poverty mentality. I remember when I was 17 years old, my pastor getting up and preaching a, a sermon about the evils of money and, and how money is bad. And then at the end, he said, now we want to receive an offering. <laughs> And I said, Pastor, I said, listen, I, I don't have any money anyhow. I mean, you know, I was, I was working a part-time job stocking shelves like at a, at a Tesco. And, and I, said, I said, I don't have any money. But I said, after you preach that message, I mean, it sounds to me like that, that, that you believe that the Bible says that poverty and piety somehow go together. And I said, Pastor, I'm, I, I'm not being rebellious, but can, can we study that? Can you show me in the Bible? Because I said, I'm having a problem. You're wanting to, to branch out and help people in the community, and yet it takes money, and yet you're saying money's bad. Why would I be motivated to go make money because it, it, it's, it's, it's somehow going to pollute my soul? And we began to study and began to read some books together, and fortunately, he was very open-minded, and I began to understand God's Word, and, I, and, and especially coming from a Jewish standpoint, I said, why is it that Jewish people prosper? And yet somehow in the church, the enemy has deceived people into believing that poverty is a good thing. And I challenge you to find one place in the Bible, just one, I don't need a whole bunch, just one place in the Bible that says that God, that if we obey him, that he'll bless us with poverty. I find you, I, I challenge you, find one place in the Bible that Jesus or any of the prophets said, God wants us to live in squalor and poverty. If you can find one place that said, God wants us to be poor, I'll give you a thousand pounds. Now, here's the problem if you find it. I can't give you the money because God wants you to be poor. It takes provision for the vision. You know, I want you all to know, I'm, I'm not here today to represent Hillsong. I'm not here to represent my business. This has nothing to do with my business or with Hillsong. I am here to serve Kingdom Faith's ministry. When I met with Clive and Jane, I said, one of the promises I want to make you is when I come here, I'm under your covering. 
I'm not here to promote my business, my ministry. I'm here to promote Jesus. I'm here to help to take you to a whole different level because I don't care how well or how bad that you're doing. God wants to bless you in every single area of your life so that you can become a blessing to other people. And it's so easy for us to say, well, I have enough. I, I can tell you, that it, it, it just, it makes, it makes me mad when people say, well, I have enough for myself. What do I need to, to worry about others for? What a selfish statement. You know, the question is, is money important from a scriptural standpoint? And as I've studied the scriptures, here's what I found. If we can put this, this next slide up is that this is actually the one about is money important because, there you go, next one, if you will, right after that, there we go. If you actually do a study on biblical economics and and the Bible, there's a a little over 500 places that talk about prayer, 500 places that actually talk about faith, but there's over 2,000 scriptural references that actually talk about money in the Bible. 17 out of the 38 parables that Jesus gave were about money. Solomon in Ecclesiastes 10 and 19 says, money answers all things. Now, whether we like it or not, money is just, it's, it's, it's part of our lives. It shouldn't dominate our lives. It shouldn't become the most important thing in our lives. But how you act with money is typically how that you will most likely handle the rest of your life. I'm going to show you where that Jesus himself said, if you can't handle money, how can you handle the rest of life? So, so many times I see so many people that they're so focused on, on, the, on the sweet by and by that they forget about the nasty now and now. And it's part of our life. See, the best thing to keep greed away, because the, the people that I always meet, they always have these, these scriptures, you know, they say, well, you know, money is the root of all evil. And that is true. It says that in 1 Timothy 6, but it doesn't say you have to have it to love it. I got to tell you, I used to, I used to think about money all the time when I didn't have it. Once I got a few million, I just, I don't really don't think about money that often. Blessings are always on the other side of obedience. See, the thing about tithing, and again, get the book, okay? Get the book, read the book, True Riches, because I analyze all of the objections I've ever gotten, which are, oh, that's only under the Mosaic Law. Well, also under the Mosaic Law was don't have adultery, and thou shalt not kill. So, so if we're no longer under the Mosaic law, I guess it's okay to have adultery. And I guess it's okay to, to go ahead and kill people and do all the other, violate all the other Ten Commandments. Actually, tithing is a principle that started in the Garden of Eden. And here was the principle. God said, Adam and Eve, you see the whole garden? It's all yours. But you see that one little tree over there, the one, it's, it's called the, the, knowledge, the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? That's like a tithe to me. Don't touch it. See, tithe is something that's set aside as holy to the Lord. Now, the first time that the word tithe was ever mentioned in the Bible was actually with Melchizedek, who is, who is a type of Jesus, which was 400 years before the Mosaic Law. So please don't, please don't get overly spiritual with me and say, you know, I'm no longer under the law. Well, I understand that, 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 that we're not judged on our entrance into heaven based on the law. But guys, trust me, we are still under the law. There is still something called the law of gravity. Did you know that the Ten Commandments are God's moral code? And when you violate those things, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you, but it does mean that God's word, I see, I believe that God's word is our guidebook on our journey to heaven. Now, someone says, but Jeff, you're not going to get into heaven based on good deeds. Amen. I believe that. But God still wants us to keep the moral code. And part of tithing is not about how righteous that you are, as I'm going to show you in just a moment as an example. But it really is based on your obedience. And here's what I believe is that the best thing to keep greed away is tithing. Because by tithing, I'm showing that I put God first. 
It's not Jeff that's first. It's not my mortgage that's first. It's not my visa card or my food, but I put God first. And in doing so, I'm able to actually trust him. Can we go to the first scripture, please? Jesus says, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? See, the fact is, Jesus didn't say that it was bad for you to gain the world. He just said, if that's all that you have, you got a pretty shallow life. By the way, this will probably be the quietest that kingdom faith has ever been, okay? I, and, and, I'm, and I'm used to that wherever I go, because whenever we're talking about money, people start kind of getting, you know. In fact, everybody do this, just sort of, sort of go like this. There you go, okay. Just kind of loosen up. It's all right. It's going to be okay. I'll be done in a little while. You know, the nice thing about me, about me preaching, Clive, is if I offend anybody, I, I don't really care because I'm leaving this afternoon. <laughs> Luke 16, 11 to the 13th verse. If therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you the, the trust, the true riches? I didn't say this, Jesus said it. And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? You go, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. What, what do you mean faithful with another man's? It, it's, it's my job. It's my business. It's my money. It's my house. See, there's a difference in ownership and stewardship. And when you begin to understand, and what had to ha- this, had to, this had to be a heart change. Did you know tithing's not about money? Tithing's about a heart condition. The difference in ownership and stewardship is, is this is mine. This is mine. Versus God, I don't own anything. You own everything. And, and I'm simply the steward over what you have actually given me. Let's read on. No servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now let's just say that this wallet represents all of my earthly possessions. He's not talking about that, 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 that I bow down and this becomes my God, although anything that you exalt above God can become idol worship. But if these are my possessions and I say, God, this is yours and now God has it. So God, now I'm the steward. My job now is to learn how to do the best job that I can over that money and knowing what God's heart is because God's word does tell us exactly how to spend our money. It's really quiet in here now. Let's go to Luke 12. Uh, actually, let's go to the, to the next slide because it says, what is true riches? So is true riches financial? Is it spiritual? Is it relationships? Is it health? Let's go to Luke 12 and 15. And Jesus said, take heed. In other words, remember and beware of covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of of the things that he possesses. You know, that's the problem in God blessing people. Boy, it's so easy to just get so focused on stuff. On my stuff. I know you all have never done that because you're too spiritual here in Horsham. (laughs) And Jesus didn't say it was bad for you to have stuff. He just said, don't be, see, to covet means to desire something that's not yours doesn't mean that you shouldn't want to, to have a better life or to do better in life. But he's saying, don't, 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 don't allow your self-worth to be based on your net worth. See, God loves you just like you are, no matter how much or how little that you have. Did you know that God loves me just as much today as he did back when I was a kid living on the streets of Chicago and I didn't have anything? And I was a broken kid, a drug addict. But let me say this to you. There's a difference in God's love for you and God's trust in you. I hope you write that down. That's a heavy statement. There's a difference in God's love for you and God's trust in you. 
The scripture says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll make you faithful over much. See, what I had to learn is, is I said, wow, wouldn't it be great to become a millionaire? And God spoke to my heart and said, well, first you have to become a thousandaire. You need to be faithful over a little before I'll make you faithful over much. As a teenager, I was tithing. I was making $30 a week working a part-time job, working at, at a grocery store in a church. I would come to church and I put my $3 in the offering, a couple dollars extra. You know, the three was my, my tithe and an offering, you know, a couple dollars extra. And I remember all the other teenagers said, God doesn't need your money. Your three dollars aren't going to do it. I said, I understand, but there's a principle. It's the principle that God works by. And the principle is, is that, that God's looking at my heart and God's saying, son, if you can do little, if you can do good with a little, I'll make you faithful over with much. And it's interesting that the next job that I got, I was making about $300 a week. And then when I got into my own business, I started making $3,000 a week. And did you know that, 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 that God never asked the, the wealthier people to give more than the poor people? It's called equal sacrifice. It's based on a percentage. I want to go to the circle that goes to all four areas of our life. How are we doing on time? Are you doing okay? Good shape. See, all of us, it, it's, it's so interesting. Wherever I travel, like this morning as Pastor Clive was reading either the prayer or the praise reports. Most of, the, in fact, all of them had to do with spiritual, financial relationships and health. See, people think, I, I'm in the financial business. I've been doing this now for, actually for 42 years I've been in finance. Had my own business for 36 years. You know, it's exciting. In 36 years, we've led over 6,000 people to the Lord through our business. Through our business. It's called marketplace ministry. Because people think what they want is they want money. That's the reason why, guys, seriously, March 14th, you need to bring your friends that are not saved. I'm going to teach them that night how to become financially independent. But then at the end of it, I'm going to ask them a question. What does it profit you if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? So people think that they want money and money is part, certainly part of the equation. But that's why Jesus said, what's it profit you if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Let's go to the next slide here, because here's what the problem is. Inherently, we make decisions based on what I think. Aren't you glad that God doesn't operate on how he feels. I sure am glad that whenever I pray, God doesn't say, well, you know, Jeff, I, I just don't feel like doing anything about that right now. I'm just, I'm just in a bad mood. <laughs> or I don't want to. See, God, God is not a God of emotion. God is a God of principle. We are emotional creatures and we all kind of go like this. Some of us, you know, are a little bit more, temp, you know, level tempered. But for the most part, I mean, you know, how many of you have ever had someone push your hot button? Yeah, your kids, your spouse, right? I mean, whatever. I mean, somebody, somebody just says the wrong thing and boy, your blood pressure just goes up. God's not like that. God says, I change not. He's the same. He just says, even, you know, God is not moved by need. He's not moved by need. I want to go to the next slide because it shows putting God in the middle of every single area of your life. Now, here's the challenge. People, it's easy to put God in the center of your life when it comes to your spiritual life. But can you trust him for your health? Can you follow his word when it talks about relationships? In business and ministry, I have this, and and I know, Pastor, I don't even have to ask. I already know that this happens in church, that you have somebody come to you, Pastor Phil, and they say, Phil, so-and-so offended me. Will you please talk to him? Like, like you're the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Did you know that the Bible actually tells us how to handle relationships? Here's what Jesus said. If you have a problem with someone, you take it to them. You don't take it to the pastor. You don't, take it, you don't go gossip. You don't talk to someone else. If I have a problem with you, I'm going to come and I'll say, hey, come in, let, let's have a coffee, okay? I got a, we got a problem over here, brother. Let's, let's get it worked out, okay? And so we talk about it and we pray about it. I don't tell you about how bad he is. 
But our human nature is to do that. Am I right or wrong? Or is it different here in Horsham? It amazes me in business. People come to me and they go, you know, I didn't like what my manager did. Have you talked to him about it? No. Well, you know, get some guts and go talk to him, okay? Then if you can't work it out, then come see me. But in the meantime, I'm not your mama, okay? (laughs) So, Pastor Phil, can I get you to come up here? Can we go to Deuteronomy 6? Now, I know that because all of you love Israel, at least I hope you all do, if you got your pastor's heart, you'll probably know what this is. This is called a talit or a talis. And all of the men and some of the women will wear this whenever they pray. As a, as a, as a child, as a young man, I, I use this. And um, I wanted someone up here with a beard because I knew that he would look Jewish. Boy, does he look Jewish. <laughs> if this was my grandmother, she'd go, you're such a good Jewish boy. <laughs> That's going to be on camera, Jeff. You realize that? Yes. Let me do it again. (laughs) By the way, for for uh, for for today, we're going to make you an honorary Jew, but don't worry about the other ceremony that we normally do. It's a bit late for that. Yeah. Okay. So, I want to go to Deuteronomy six and three, and here's what it says: Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with you, that you may increase. Everybody say increase. Increase. He didn't say decrease. He said increase. Mightily as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you in the land that flows with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. This is called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your might. In Hebrew, this is Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now this is not a Godhead scripture, okay? This is saying that God wants to be the number one thing in your life, the center of your life. Now let's take a look here at verse five. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Here's what's interesting. The translators got this totally messed up. You need to read it in the original Hebrew. Because here's what it says, translated, is thou shalt love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and the word might is the word medecha. Can you say medecha? And the word medecha is actually, it says at the end, love him with all of your medecha. And the word medecha is the word for money, possessions, and your ability to earn. Changes the whole scripture. So if this bread represents your livelihood, and Pastor Phil, if you could just break off what you would represent, say 10%, okay? 10%. Here's what the scripture says. It says, bring you all the tithe, which is a tenth, into the storehouse. And here's what happens spiritually is that when you do this, this is an act of obedience. And God says, when you do this, not only are you under my covering when it comes to your health, not only are you under my covering when it comes to your spiritual life, but when you tithe, now that other 90% now comes under the covering of God. And now this 90% is sanctified because this 10%, you've actually stepped out and you've actually sown that into the house of God where you're getting fed. If this is my local church, this is where I tithe. It's not a TV preacher. It's not a radio preacher. It's not compassion ministry. It's my local church where I'm getting fed spiritually. Now, you say, well, I don't believe in tithing. I'm going to do it my way. I want to show you spiritually what happens. Is God's covering in that area of your life comes off of your life. And God stands back and he says, Phil, I still love you. You're still going to heaven. Good luck. (laughs) You want to do it your way? No problem. But you have made a decision. See, when we don't tithe, it's a little bit like having a prenuptial agreement with God. Let me say that again. It's a little bit like having a prenuptial agreement with God and saying, God, I I want you to be the God of my spiritual life. 
I trust you when it comes to my health and when it comes to relationships. But over my financial life, God, there is this do not trespass sign. I'm going to do it my way. And God says, no problem. Do it your way. But, but see, when the, the word covenant means that you come into a partnership with God. And partnership means that you have to do your part. This tithe is simply your part. And when you do that, this is how simple it is. You don't have to repent and sackcloth and ashes and weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. You just start doing it. And automatically, God's covering begins to come over that area of your life. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Phil. You did a great job. And here, you you get to keep the baguette. Okay. You know, the word shalom means peace, completeness, and wholeness. And really what people want in their lives is they want peace. They think that they might want money. They think that they might want whatever it is, children, whatever. I mean, that's all part of life. But the only thing that passes all men's understanding is accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. See, giving is a form of worship. The word worship in Hebrew is the word shechad, and the word shechad actually, you know, means to bow down. It means to surrender. It means, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm not going to do it my way. And see, in, in, in the book of Revelation, it says that he stands at the door and he knocks. He's not a gate crasher. He's not going to get, you know, get a piece of wood and try to knock your door down. He just sort of knocks at the door. It's your, it's your job to turn the latch and open up the door. And in every single one of these areas of our life, in our spiritual life, our financial life, our relationships and our health, it's a conscious decision on our part to, to, to invite God into that area of our life. Now, here's the key to continual blessing. Do I have five more minutes? We're doing good? Okay. The key to continual blessing is your perspective and your gratitude. You know, in the book of Deuteronomy, it says in the eighth verse or tenth verse. So how many of you pray before you eat? How many of you pray after you eat? Let's see what God's word says about this. Deuteronomy 8 in the 10th verse. When you have eaten and you're full, then thou shalt bless the Lord your God for the good land which he gave you. Isn't that amazing? How in the world did we get that one wrong? The Jews pray after they eat. You know why? Because it's easy to get spiritual amnesia. You know, it's easy to say, oh, God, if you do this for me, I'll do that. And then all of a sudden God does it. And then, you be, and then all of a sudden it fades away. Because we forget. That's the problem with God's blessings in our life. Did you know when I was 24 years old and I was broke and I said, boy, God, if you bless me, I would dedicate my life to teaching this stuff to people. Be careful what you promise God because he'll keep his promise while you keep yours. You might find yourself having to get on a train early in the morning to come to Horsham. So when you've eaten and you're full, then thou shalt bless the Lord. Look, look at verse 11. Beware. By the way, it's the same thing Jesus said. Be, beware of covetousness. Beware that you don't forget the Lord your God in not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes that I command you this day. Lest when you've eaten and you're full and you've built goodly houses and dwelt therein and when your herds and your flocks have multiplied and your silver and your gold is multiplied, all that you have is multiplied. I don't know about you, but that sounds like multiplied. That doesn't sound to me like God wants us to live in poverty. I'm going to share this with you. It's not brag. I'm just telling you that, 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 see, I knew that God was testing my heart. The scripture says, it says, seek ye first the what? The kingdom. Then all these other things will be added unto you. See, many people say, well, that means, that means I'm going to pray the most. I'm going to read the Bible the most. Okay. But are, are you seeking God when it comes to your money? My second year in business, we, we did really well and our, we got out of debt. My third year in business, I went to my pastor. I said, Pastor, I know that the mortgage is a little bit less than $100,000. And that was several years ago. 
Margot and I would like to pay off the mortgage. We'd like to take the mortgage payment over. I remember he went and got us a payment book and he gave it to us. I said, don't you want to pray about it? He said, no, I'm, I'm a man of faith. <laughs> In nine months, we paid the church off. See, I did that before I went and bought a big house. I did that before I went and bought a big car because I realized that, 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 that my heart was not just about Jeff going and making money. It was about what was my heart for the kingdom. Was I a kingdom builder? Did I really want to see the kingdom prosper? It wasn't, that, it wasn't that it was wrong for me to have a nice house, a nice car, or anything else, but I wanted God to know that, God, my heart is to see your kingdom to prosper. So your capacity to receive is determined by your ability to give. Blessings are always on the other side of obedience. <clears throat> when you do the possible, and tithing is possible, when you do the possible, God does the impossible. Partnership means that you have to do your part. A covenant means a pledge, a promise, a contract, an agreement. Supernatural. How many of you'd like to have the supernatural in your life? How many of you'd like to have that? Well, do you know what supernatural is? Is God super on top of your natural? When it comes to your money, if you want want supernatural, it's just going to take God. I want to go to one last scripture. Deuteronomy 8 and 17, it says, And you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord your God, for it's he that gives you power. That's the ability to get wealth, that he may establish his coming. See, that's the real reason God wants to bless us. I'm going to go to Luke, Luke 18, was the last scripture rather. And a certain ruler, the rich young ruler, came to him saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit life? And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? None is good save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Please count with me here. Because how many commandments are there? Count with me here, if you will. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. How many is that? I guess Jesus must have missed Hebrew school the other day. (laughs) He didn't give him ten. He gave him five. And the young man says, All these have I kept from my youth up. And Jesus said, in one version, he says, If you'd be perfect, if you'd have the shalom of God on you, he said, yet you lack one thing. I don't know about you guys. I wish, I wish God would say to me that I only lacked one thing. And he said, sell all that you have and distribute or give to the poor. By the way, he, he never did say, give it all to the poor. He said, give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful for he was rich. And when Jesus saw that, he was very sorrowful. He said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter in the kingdom of God? He didn't say it was impossible. He just said it's hard. Because man's heart is is prone to get pulled away from God whenever we have stuff. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for rich men to enter in the kingdom. And when his disciples heard it, they said, that's fantastic. Because we're broke. That means we're all going to heaven. Is that what they said? All of his disciples were Jewish. They all understood Deuteronomy that said, when your houses, your land, your silver, your gold, and all that you have that's multiplied. And they said, Jesus. They're scratching their head and they said, well then, who can be saved? Because we believe as Jews that if you're really serving God and your heart is for the kingdom, that God wants to bless you. See, it's easy for God to get money to you. The question is, can God get money through you? And Jesus looked at him and he said, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. Can we go to that last circle and can I get the praise and worship team to join me up here, if you will? This this last circle here, what Jesus is saying is, is that when you put God as the center of your life, all things are possible. And the fact is, is that multiplication comes from release. God wants the first fruits, not the leftovers. You know, Pastor Jane and Pastor Clive, if they invited you over to their home for a lovely dinner and you showed up and Jane came to the door and said, hey guys, can you forgive us, but we just didn't prepare anything, so we're going to have leftovers. And she starts pulling out the Tupperware, or whatever they use these days, and as they unwrap it, there's a bit of mold and scum on the top. 
And she goes, oh, you know, that, sorry, that, that was four weeks old, but we'll just scrape it off because I'm, I'm sure once we nuke it in the microwave, it'll be fine. How special would you feel? Well, how does God feel when we just sort of give him the leftovers? God is a jealous God. He loves us just like we are. But tithing and giving to God and being a vessel and a vehicle of, of saying, God, it's not mine, it's yours. I, I, I want to flow through you. When we do that, we're proving it's the outward sign that God is the center of our lives. He is number one. Thank you all so much. It's been such an honor to speak here at Kingdom of Faith. God bless you. Awesome. If we could all just sort of bow our heads and close our eyes. and I'd just like to pray for everybody before we leave here. And In fact, what I'd like to do is to ask you if... See, I know that there are needs here. Those four areas that I put up on the screen. Your health. Maybe you're being challenged in the area of your health could be something as simple as, a, as back pain, which is not simple, but it could be a hurt foot or it could be a, a headache, or it could be that you just went to the doctor and they said, you've got terminal cancer. Did you know that the Jesus that we serve today is the same Jesus that opened blinded eyes, touched the woman with the issue of blood? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If that's you today and you're having some health challenges, and you'd like to put God in the center of your life in that area, would you please just lift your hand so I can pray for you in the area of health? Thank you. Thank you. His word says wherever two or three are gathered, wherever, we, wherever two agree upon one thing, he said that he will do it. Today, Father God, I come before you. I bind all pain, all disease, all sickness, I speak forth, by your stripes are you healed. By the shed blood of Jesus on Calvary, he paid the price. In Jesus' name, be healed. Today, if you're having challenges in the area of relationships, a broken relationship, the fact is, is that offenses will come. Could be with someone right here in church. Could be someone with a co-worker, maybe a, a spouse or a friend or a child or a parent. If that's you today and there's conflict in your life in that area and you'd like to have resolution, would you please lift your hand so I can pray for you. Thank you, thank you in the area of relationships. Don't be ashamed. Thank you. Thank you for being bold. Father God, today I come against the enemy that loves dissension in our lives. He loves to put walls up and, and misunderstanding. And today, Father, I, I rebuke that area. I also ask you, God, to give every single person here the grace and the knowledge and the wisdom, God. As your word says, if they have a problem with someone, to take it to them. And I ask you, God, to prepare that other person's heart to be tender. God, that they might be able to mend the breach to be able to put the balm of Gilead, Father, in that area of their life. They may never become best friends, but at least, God, they'll, they'll, they'll get that where, the, where, where that they don't let the sun go down on their wrath. Today, Father, I pray for a blessing in that area of your life, God, to, to mend the breach in Jesus' name. And then in the area of finance that I've been focused on here so much this morning, if you're having a challenge today, in the area of finance, don't be ashamed. We're just not educated about it. That's the reason why that Pastor Clive and Jane had me come in. And the scripture says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Well, we're going to get you the knowledge. It's here. And if that's you today and you'd like supernatural breakthrough in the area of finance and money, would you please raise your hand so I can pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being so bold about that. Father God, today we come into covenant with you. Today, God, we come into partnership with you. 
doesn't matter what we've done in the past. Today, God, we acknowledge you as the center of our lives in our area of finances. I rebuke the devourer off of our lives, off of debt. I pray supernatural. That's God, that's, that's your super on top of our natural. Today, Father, we come into covenant with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And finally, the last area, your spiritual life. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus in your heart today or ever before. I got to tell you, you could have the rest of those other three areas of your life together. And, but here's a question. If you were to die tonight, not to be morbid, but do you know in your heart of hearts that you've got your relationship right with God? Because it really is that easy to say, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord, be my Savior. If you've never done that before, or maybe you did that at one time and somehow you got away from God, you put self in the middle, you got away, people disappointed you, you got your eye off of the Lord and you got your eye on people and you drifted away and you're not as close as what you were and you want to renew that relationship. If that's you, would you please lift your hand so I can pray for you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Can we all, would you all do me a favor? Can we all stand here together? And everybody pray this prayer together, all of us together. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart today and to be the Lord of my life. I repent of all the mistakes and I turn around and go the other way. I take self out of the middle and I put you in the middle as the Lord of my life. In my relationships, in my health, in my finances, and in my spiritual life, I ask you to become the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give all these people a big round of applause. God bless you. Right, if, uh, if you have just prayed at the end there to respond to God for the first time or you wanted to get back with God, uh, we'd love to talk with you, pray with you, because there's some other steps that would be really good to help you with as to what's next, what are the next steps in your response to knowing God. And uh, we'd love to help you with that. And we have some people that will be here at the front to your right afterwards that love just to chat with you and help you as to what the next steps are to know God and what you, how you can build your relationship with him. Let's thank Jeff, shall we, for being with us this morning, bringing a fantastic word. Now, as he, uh, just grab a seat for a moment and then we'll, we'll close. But just uh, as he mentioned, on the 14th of March, it's a Wednesday evening, there's going to be a financial seminar. It's going to be here and it's going to be really, really practical, uh, just going through uh, some just loads of practical things about um, <clears throat> how, the, how the kind of world of finance works, but then how do you have healthy finances within it, and how can you um, kind of use the, the way the world works to actually benefit your finances and, and all of that. I mean, I, don't, I haven't obviously been to the seminar yet, so I don't know exactly what it's going to be. But it's, it's from just the conversations, there are some brilliant, brilliant practical tools and steps that will transform the way you see finances, handle finances, and practical things that will also change uh, the way what you do with your finances. So that's going to be brilliant. But also, again, uh, Jeff loves to have unsaved friends and family there that we invite others to come to that it's very very practical but within that as well he will give a bit of his testimony and an opportunity for people to respond to the lord on that night so that's here on the 14th of march okay in the evening uh this today's been recorded being shown in crawley and worthing next sunday uh and again so the same thing for the 14th of march will be available for the guys to, to be here for that on the 10th of march um <clears throat> jeff's going to be doing a 
a Kingdom Builders morning here on the Saturday connected with Ignite. Now, Ignite meet once a month. A lot of guys who are, uh, uh, have got their own businesses or are in business and entrepreneurial in the, the business life that they have and what they're doing from a work point of view. There's going to be an Ignite kind of morning here. And <clears throat> I know that, that a lot of the guys connected with that already inviting other friends and, and guys they work with and other business colleagues to that morning. So that's more for people in the kind of business world, entrepreneurial kind of world of work uh, that uh, Saturday morning. So again, it's very much about being a kingdom builder and how do you have, you know, kind of biblical understanding about the giftings that God's placed in your life and how that is to to build the kingdom. Part of that is to invest in your church where you are, but also how do you build on a bigger perspective the kingdom of God with the giftings that God has placed uh, in you. So that's on the 10th of March, the Saturday morning. And as we said, there's going to be financial freedom small groups that are going to be uh, starting towards the end of May, okay, uh, and through into June. Be very, very practical in that context. So we'll give you more info on that over the next few weeks so you can uh, get ready for the, the financial small groups along with other things that are going on. So Jeff, so appreciate you being with us this morning and just sharing your heart as well as God's word. Uh, just being really open and honest and uh, we just really want to honour you and, and God's hand on your life and what you're doing uh, and how you just want to serve us and uh, help us in terms of what God wants to do amongst us as well. So bless you. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com.